Well, a lot of things have happened in the last week, but one of those things hasn't happened since August of 2018, and that's DC United beating the New England Revolution as we welcome you into a, to an action-packed, tried-and-true, the DC United post-game podcast presented by Heineken. I'm John Lee, joined as always by Sam Kastner, Joshua Morgan, and Michael Black. We have a lot to cover today, and we got a ticking countdown on our makeshift recording software tonight. Uh, so let's get right into it, guys. Uh, a 3-2 to two thriller, if you will, against uh, the New England Revolution. And, and let, let's, let's start with the game, and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go off the rails. <laughs> off the rails sounds exactly like what the last week of DC United soccer that we've all experienced was. Um, I like the, the positive start. The win was really great. Um, just focusing on the game, it was nice to, you know, get three points, get them at home. Um, it was nice to get them against New England. You said, you know, it's been a while um, since we've gotten that victory, which was great. Um, it, was, it was great to see Taxi kind of showing up and showing us what he can do, right? It's been a minute since we had a DP like that. So, yeah, fun. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's exciting to get a win and get what was a fairly comfortable lead. Uh, you know, a, a little unfortunate to have it be as close as it was at the end. And uh, on the rewatch, it also did feel a little bit closer uh, throughout the second half than perhaps the score would have indicated. Uh, but still, getting a 3-2 win and getting a couple guys uh, going, particularly Taxi, yeah, I think we're all very excited to see what he's going to bring moving forward on and I think just the very fact that they were able to play the game and get through the game after the week that they had um for three points is a cherry on top but uh a lot going on for sure yeah I agree Black that it was maybe slightly generous based on some of the the game flow there uh and and gosh the Knighton Brad Knighton for for the Ravs definitely had a a little bit of a shocker but yeah, that's that's like Sam said. Uh, having a DP out there that can make those moments is, is something we haven't seen in, in a hot minute, and uh, I won't make any ifs, ands, or buts about that. He he had a, himself a game. Yeah, you gotta love really specific sporting stats, but that was what was it? The first time a player in their debut has scored two goals and had an assist in the first half, which is like just first, specific enough to not be surprising. Not their debut is the first time. They had two goals and an assist in their first start in MLS. Right, right, right. First start. I yes. think MLS Thank did that tweet correction. that. Okay, yeah. I think MLS did tweet what you said, Sam, at first, and then they also realized that he. Had... I mean, the world ended at the beginning of the week, and we just like, restarted, <laughs> right? So it was everyone's first debut, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing I would point out, um, you know, j- just to me, that made it even more impressive that they that they got a win and played pretty well uh, was that they went down. One nil, and they went down fairly early in this game, um, and, and there there wasn't a ton of buzz or excitement in the stadium to begin with, um, and and you know obviously a lot of the supporters groups sat the game out or they they didn't sit in the supporters section. There was no drum line. Labanda was very noticeably absent, um, and, and obviously we'll we'll talk more about that. But so it wasn't super loud and chaotic at the beginning. But what it, what little air was in the stadium pretty much got sucked out when one nail from from a fan perspective it was that like oh god this is going to be ugly kind of thought was was all i could think of um and for them to to kind of pull out of that and, and turn into a, a pretty positive performance on top of everything you just said i, I thought was they, they deserve a lot of credit yeah go ahead Black. it's so hard to talk yeah. about this game without like the context <laughs> i'm really struggling with that well yeah i mean the first five minutes you know dc united came out pushing hard, trying to get a goal, trying to make something happen early. And you saw involvement, uh, I think, from the get-go, from Estrada, from Flores, you know, from Taxi, all of the guys you know, going forward trying to create something. And then you know, basically as soon as New England turns around, uh, they find it the back of the net. And a goal that was allowed on what kind of seemed like a theme of today was uh, a lack of marking uh, men in the box, you know, Carlos Hill had a great cross in and uh, they were able to move the ball around and Busa had a great, or sorry, Bai had a great finish, uh, but it was definitely deflating, especially considering everything else. And you can see the guys were down for a few minutes, but, you know, fortunately, Taxi 
uh, decided to play uh, this is that second half of the first half for sure. Yeah, I think especially considering the lineup, right? Bill, I think, was out with injury. So you've got uh, John Kempen in there. And I think, you know, a lot of people pretty nervous when they saw that come out. Um, I mean, it wasn't surprising. We knew Bill was injured um, based on, you know, like Goff and uh, Jason Anderson's tweets beforehand. But um, I I thought he played phenomenally, especially in that second half. I thought essentially like he he was kind of the reason we got to keep those three points. Um, So props to him. Yeah, Kempen had himself a game. Um, I think we've all got John Kempen horror stories in, in our minds sometimes, and, and you want to see him be successful. And you, you've also seen the good, um, but I think against New England, we saw the great. Um, you know, there were there was a lot of big time saves, and frankly, it wouldn't have been the least bit surprising if that game ended, you know, four four three, um, because he had a lot of big saves, especially late in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's also kind of telling, you know, what this team has been through. Um, Black, I don't know where you got this stat from, but I think I saw that only Burnbaum and Knaus were the starters from or who had played in the last time we won against New England. Um, so just kind of a lot of like turnover overall, um, which also I think is worth noting. Yeah, I mean, recently. three and a half. Yeah, three and a half years you do have turnover but it, I, it was striking to me to see that you know, those are the only two guys who were still starting especially when 2018 was kind of a relaunch for the club with you know launching Audi Field and having you know Rooney as your talisman and everything that Lucio brought to the situation uh, doesn't have a whole lot to do with the game from this weekend but it was you know kind of striking to think that here we are cycling back through again and you know those are the guys that we still have playing. Yeah, so I wonder, are there any, like, specifics that anyone wants to go through? I mean, we kind of went through um, the first goal, if we want to talk through kind of Taxi's goals, because um, they they were pretty, I mean, his two, two goals and the assist, because they were pretty. Yeah, let's, let's talk about Taxi's goal. I mean, he definitely was the animating force, uh, at least for me, in, in that first half. Uh, I'll caveat this with saying, you know, for a guy who's new to MLS, you know, the other team doesn't really know a whole lot of what to expect from him in this league. You know, you can watch uh, game films from Austria, from Austria if you want, but uh, I don't think the scouting reports can fully out on him. But from what he put on tape this time, uh, that first goal, particularly just, you know, driving through, creating uh, a beautiful shot, you know, off the, off the cross that uh, Gressel sent in, uh, he's not afraid to take opportunities. And sometimes we've seen that with DC United where uh, they want to move the ball around a bunch, but there's not that clinical finishing and really trying to create the opportunity at the end. And the taxi showed that not only does he have those clinical skills, but he's happy to use them and put them to good use to, in, in you know, a two goal, one assist performance. Yeah. And I think the two goals back to back is kind of the interesting point here. The Revs basically won the shield on not a huge squad, but three really good DPs. Uh, and when Hill had his hand in that first goal, I was like, well, DC United doesn't have anything to respond to that. Well, turns out they do that. The newest DP gets this moment to fight right back and show that DC United can be capable of those moments. If he stays on this trajectory, it's very early days and I don't want to get too excited, but that's what a DP does. They, they, the ball ends up to them and they make a play with it. Uh, and, and it was a definitely, I, I think it was a huge turning point in the game, uh, especially for like, like, like we've said, he's a new player on the team. Everyone kind of see it probably has seen a little bit out of that from him in training. But once you see it in the game, you're like, Oh, this guy's got it. Uh, let's keep pushing. Yeah. Especially for a DC United team that just in recent memory, right. Of the last several seasons has a tendency to get pretty down on themselves when scored upon. And it usually takes a lot longer for the team to pick themselves up and really be dangerous. Um, so it's good to see that kind of happening earlier on Saturday night than I would have anticipated. Yeah. And the other thing with taxi that's important to remember is he, it wasn't a clean, you know, neat breakup with his former club. I mean, he wanted out and, and it got, somewhat publicly ugly right um and so for him to come in he seemed like a player who was relieved he was playing free he was relaxed 
And uh, well, if there was ever a team that needed a guy playing like that after the week they had, it was DC United. Um, the time is perfect night when we record these shows from home. I generally have the game on in the background, just playing again. And, and they just flashed his celebration after the first goal. And I mean, it, it looked, he looked relieved more than anything. Um, and it's exciting to see. I, 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 I look forward to more of that. And, and it didn't take long in this game for, for another one. Yeah. Well, and and every, every picture we've seen of him out on social media and, and training videos, even at the game was him this huge smile uh, shirtless in the locker room with a taxi cab hat. Uh, it, it's all been very public. The team and gave that away, which is just brilliant. <laughs> yeah. He signed it. I think yeah. <laughs> amazing. And you mentioned it, John, we got a player and DC United is no stranger to players disgruntled on the ends of their contract. Uh, speaking of Lucharu earlier in the show, uh, both of them. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I'll, some people started to question, like, is this the guy that we want as our main DP to be the turning point? Uh, he's forcing his way out of a current club uh, to come here. And, and it's been quite the opposite. He's been what it seems like a, a very positive in the locker room on the field. Uh, and, you know, uh, and then having the performances that match it. Well, and again, caveat it with, he has played a total of 90 minutes for us so far, but I agree with John saying that, you know, having that energy and having that, you know, optimism coming in very clearly worth the, I think they paid $400,000 to get him in uh, now rather than wait until the summer. It's very easy for us to spend other folks money, but uh, so far that investment seems to have paid off immediately because I don't know much all, but I do not think that DC United gets three points from this weekend if Taxi's not in the game and not doing exactly what he did today. Yes, I struggle to think of where those goals would have come from, which, I mean, in the first half, we kind of saw like the same style that we've seen all season, right? Like that really high press, high pressure, um, sending balls in the box style. Um, I think today we just saw the man who was able to put it in the back of the net. Um, And that's kind of something that um, historically just, I guess this season and last season um, we didn't really see, right? Like the expected goals and expected points were there. We just weren't finishing our chances. Speaking of finishing chances, if I can transition us to the second goal, the ball finds its way to Estrada's head. Uh, Apparently he's a lot better with that than with his foot because Tuesday he missed a lot of closer chances. Uh, I was honestly surprised when, when he, he tucked it away neatly and calmly. To to be fair, he was, marked quote-unquote by the infamous omar gonzalez who was like basically in the pupusa stand so there was no one near him um it would have been shocking to say the least that he not but i i think that's another one i give taxi a lot of credit because he kind of received the ball in a tough spot if i remember and i'm not cheating we haven't gotten to that replay yet um but i i think he got to a tough spot with the ball and then he just kind of calmly and coolly Chipped it across, right? And, uh, and and yeah, I mean, Estrada had no one near him, and he did. He buried the finish like he's supposed to, and, and you know, DCA was back on top. Yeah, that's one of the finishes that you almost – it would actually be harder to miss, but <laughs> that happens far too often. We've uh, seen so, that. Yes, for sure. And so credit to him for getting a position and making it happen. Because, uh, frankly, didn't create a whole lot else in that first half, you know, was you know, playing the role of the the striker up front, but uh, I would suspect that Kamara will slot back in for, for him fairly quickly um, at this next game uh, against Columbus next weekend. Yeah, I mean, that, that will be interesting um, to kind of see where we go from here. Um, I don't know if anyone else has anything to say about the game. I feel like we're all kind of talking around the rest of it. Um and again, a lot of the context that informs like why we're feeling this way about the game. Uh, I do think we have to do our man, men of the match still. Um, if anyone wants to go first, well, I will. Just, I will just again call out the third goal from Taxi or Taxi's second goal, the third goal for the team, uh, as an example of a guy who just would not be denied. You know, stepping forward, winning the ball out of the air over two bigger defenders, t- taking a perfect touch through and setting up a rocket of a shot, you know, again, it's highlight real stuff. It's something we're excited to see, but uh, you know, looking forward to seeing a whole lot more of that moving forward. And uh, also on the game, I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, was frustrating in the second half. I think you saw 10 shots from DC United in the first half and a total of one shot in the second half. Uh, 
they did not fully step back and try to park the bus or try to you know play completely defensively but we're not creating uh once they pulled out some of those uh this playmakers moving forward not for lack of effort but uh you know certainly concerning and like we mentioned the game could have gone a very different way if not for some amazing saves by Kempen and you know timely moves by the defense but you know sometimes that's what you got to do and you know to get off uh Against a team like New England, uh, you know, sometimes you gotta get lucky. So, full credit to them for pulling it out. Yeah, I think I think you're kind of alluding to it a little bit there, but I mean, both both on the field and off, this team still has a, a number of issues. Um, to, despite the despite how excited we are about Taxi, but yeah, Sam, I agree. Um, let's do man of the match. Anybody want to go first? Oh, I'll go. <laughs> go for it. Well, he had two goals and <laughs> an assist. Uh, yeah, it's got to be taxi for me. You know, again, DC United does not win this game without him playing the way he does, and I already heaped enough praise on him, so taxi for me. Yeah, I kind of made the argument earlier, but I'm going to go with Kempen because I don't think we win the game without him either. Um, he had a couple of really phenomenal saves, um, and I think especially considering like his past and, and stepping into a role that – is not generally his. Um, he had a really, really good performance on Saturday. Except for like the two goals that he gave up. So I'm going to dig against okay. him a little bit there. Uh, but he did play well. He did play well, but I have a hard time getting my man a match to a guy who let in two goals as a goalkeeper. It's your only job. Uh, the only job of a striker is to score goals and taxi did that. Uh, I would like to give a shout. Uh, I think Gressel, I don't know. Maybe it's just recency or, or, you know, the news recently, but Gressel was an emotional leader for the team and he did have some, some part in, in the first goal or the second goal, one of taxis assist, or I think, yeah, taxis assists. So the second goal, I think he's the one that plays Fantas down the side. Uh, but yeah, taxis, obviously two goals, one assist. So good, good game. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you on on taxi there as well. I'm starting to think we should do this like hockey and do like three stars. You know, maybe as a group we can kind of <laughs> agree on that instead of fighting with each other over one. But anyways, that's um, why I try to come up with a different one. You guys always give me so much nonsense, but I'm just trying to keep the conversation interesting. I mean, I was also uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, a big fan of of uh, of Kevin and Joshua. I, I was gonna say it if you didn't. Um, I do think Gressel deserves a lot of credit for for the way he played in this match, both emotionally, like you said, but he's another one I wonder if there's just perhaps a little bit of relief in someone else to show, take, you know, take the spotlight, take the fans' angst, take the pressure. I mean, we talked about it before on the show. Taxi's got a lot of pressure riding on him, and I think Gressel's been a guy who most fans not named Joshua have been largely frustrated with, um, rightly or wrongly, right? Um, but I think with with a new guy on on the team, hopefully that gives Gressel a little more freedom to. I was going to say have fun out there, but I I won't. But that would have been a great transition. Let's just roll with it. Um, DC United, if you didn't know, uh, fired former head coach Hernan Masada a week ago, um, and honestly, I think most everyone went through it last week—a roller coaster of emotions. Whether it was Anger, uh, like it was for me, uh, and, it, and it was for a, a lot of the week. Um, frustration, angst, depression, all of the things. And, and I, I think it, it really reopened some old wounds that this team uh, tries to, to patch up or gloss over or whatever they do. Um, but let's get into it. You know, it, to, the one thing I know we'll all agree on is I think we were all baffled to see the, the tweet that Joshua, I believe you saw first uh, pretty early in the morning on, on Wednesday after the, the win over flower city union Tuesday night. I don't know how to describe how I felt in that moment. Can and any I of think, you put it into words? <laughs> uh, well, no, but I think that it's worthy to like, start with noting that all of MLS felt that way. Like not just all of DC United soccer, or even just all of Lasada's fans, like all of MLS was shocked at this news and then they kind of dug into it and, and looked at the data and you know some people thought it was understandable more details started coming out some people started to say that was the right decision but like the very first reaction from everyone was just flabbergasted like why why and I think that that is telling because a lot of times you 
I can't think of another time that a coach was sacked and not one person was like, yeah, I saw that coming. Yeah. yeah. I think it's important to tell in the story of this, that a big gap is that we didn't really hear a reason for a while. We get the leak from, from Pablo Mara confirmed by Goff, uh, And then a while goes by before the team really says anything. Uh, yeah. And then Gressel, Julian Gressel on his podcast does an emergency podcast uh, and that's the first we kind of hear from the players. So yeah, it was it was shock and then confusion uh, as as Losada exited. Yeah, and, and looking back at it, you know, the team did provide a little bit more context later in the week. Uh, it took them more than you know probably should have if you were going to make a move like this. Uh, the team did not finish last season particularly well. You know, you needed basically one more point over the course of those five, six games and did not get it to make it into the playoffs and were starting this season poorly as well. But you had a guy in Hernan Lozada who back in August, you were second place, I think, uh, if only for a blip. And there was some talk about him potentially being a manager of the year candidate. Uh, probably not going to get it in the year when you know Bruce sets the uh, uh, record for points. But it was a very quick shift. Uh, and I think the biggest thing that surprised me about it was as a DC United fan, you've watched this team for long enough. You don't necessarily think of them as being super ambitious. So if there was a team that had put a lot of investment into the squad and you had very high expectations coming into the year and you started off losing four games in a row, particularly with that Austin one, you can see how you would say, okay, this isn't working. We have to correct course now. But I, I, I mean, y'all can feel free to you know, disagree with me, but I did not look at this DC United squad as having that kind of ambition uh, going into the year. I think everyone expected that it would be vying for an edge playoff spot. And this season is certainly long enough to overcome any kind of slide like that. But what do y'all think? I, I think you're right. Uh, I, I think I feel the same way, but I, I think that's what made this so crushing for, for me and for a lot of DC United fans is Hernan really represented what all the fans wanted. And, and in a lot of ways, he said what all the fans said, but he said it to the media. And, and you know he said it to the front office. And we now know they didn't probably want to hear it. <laughs> but um, it, it was – we got sold on a lot more than a head coach – been dressed well and and won some, some games, right? We got sold on this rebuild of this entire team of one with an identity, right? And and by the way, the club have said they're going to maintain that identity, and I, I, I probably believe that to be true. But um, they were also packed in with that was being good again and was being, like, dominant and was doing it our way and, and was energy and commitment and investment and perhaps we were misled and perhaps we got carried away with what reality was by hiring Lasada. But I think that's where a lot of the frustration from, from a, a fair amount of the fan base came from because unfortunately for, for him, and by the way, we should talk about Chad Ashton because his record as DC United's interim coaches is, is quite impressive actually. But um, he also represents the status quo. I mean, he's been around forever. He was around for he was around before Olson was coach, right? And so, it, it, Chad Ashton could end up being a really good coach. I hope he is. I hope they keep this style. But it's just a little bit of a letdown to go from this young coach with all these ideas with this bright future. You bin him, and then you come out and say, "Yeah, and we're going with the guy who's been here for a while for a second stint as interim coach." And yeah, we're not even going to interview anyone this season. We're just going to let that ride. That doesn't instill confidence or or anything in a fan base to me. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when you talk about confusion, I mean, we're a week out almost like and I, I still kind of feel that way because um, John, exactly like you said, I, I think that he was echoing a lot of what the fan base was calling for from this team. And I think that that's probably why emotions were so raw and people kind of like took it personally, almost like this is what I want for the team. And now you're saying that's why he was fired. Um, I will say like black, but going back to your point, um, like Lasada's 
points per game, like expected points per game were actually one of the highest in MLS um, for coaches and, and his away um, points were actually pretty high in MLS, um, you know, for the number of games that he had. So like he, you know, we said this a lot last year, he was still figuring out the league last year. And then he comes into this season. Um, and, you know, again, it was pointed out by a lot of the fan base that you get rid of two of the team's best players and you don't replace them immediately. I mean, we saw the first start of a replacement the game after he was let go, right? Or the game after Lasada was let go. So, you know, it didn't, on top of kind of feeling personally attacked and feeling like this vision that we were all really excited about, you know, this this social media campaign that we'd all bought into, this style that we had all bought into, um, on top of feeling like that was going down the drain, it kind of felt like it wasn't really given air to like breathe and grow. Um, and I think that that's kind of where the confusion happens. John, you mentioned, yeah, like, where do we go from here? Like, yeah, that's nothing to take away from Chad. You know, he obviously kind of stuck with that style a little bit this last game. It'll be interesting. And he kind of stuck with the best parts of it. Um, you know, I think we can get into um, some of the, the criticism for Lasada because I think that some, some of the p- possible reasons are definitely worth mentioning. Um, but Joshua's been like anxious to talk. No, no, right I, was, I was just going to think that you kind of take off of that is yeah. Yeah. And, and black kind of hinted on this. If you take the context and, and I was trying to figure out what, why, and, and what, how all this is coming about. But if you look at the end of last season and the beginning of this season, and you're the front office and believe that the squad is good, it, it is unacceptable. And you could probably rationalize that decision. But if you, nitpick at that you can look at the injuries that are played the players that were transferred and the slow start that you know uh the, tr- the transfers in have had and then especially zooming way out we just had a coach before him who had 10 years of mediocrity who had probably i i bet and it would be fun but sad to go <laughs> back and look at how many four game losing streaks ben Olsen had without getting fired i w- i would guess it's at least a handful at least a handful and so uh, it, it's kind of, yeah, it's a pick and choose about what context you want. Uh, but the fans that have been here for a while, I feel like they are frustrated with the front office who allowed one person such a, long, a decade uh, and the other person uh, basically a year because he came in late last season. And then there was injuries and, and then this rough start to this season with the transfers. So uh, it's a lot. And, and I, I hope the front office are right. I hope that they... Are, are true in their assessment of the squad because they have been, you know, resolute in that they believe that the squad should be doing better. They believe in the guys that they have. Uh, we'll see. I guess. I mean, there is like, yeah, it is... go ahead. Yeah. And, you know, Sam mentioned a little bit about some of the additional criticisms of uh, Renan Lasada as having trouble connecting with players being very much a my way or the highway kind of guy. And also, having very strict fitness regimes and ideas on how the guy should be comporting themselves at all times, which apparently graded on some people, but it also is a, it, that, that to me seemed like part of the culture change that they were going with when they brought him in. And I'm, I'm sure that he talked about that in the initial interviews and talking about how he wanted to run a team. Uh, so I, I have a hard time believing that's the, a major reason for it. Uh, John hinted a little bit as well, talking about uh, Hernan's comments on the players coming in, players going out, uh, the needs that he has, and you know how he's almost fighting with one hand tied behind his back when you're playing clubs that send a lot more than DC United does. And to an extent, he was correct. That, you know. He, in the preseason press conferences, he talked about needing to bring in another number eight because we didn't have, uh, you know, the central midfielder presence. The front office went out and brought Durkin in. He's been here for what two, three games now. Uh, needing more attacking weapons. Uh, you just got your, you know, second DP in Taxi, and uh, and he got to play all of 30 minutes under Lasada. So, you know, it sounds like there was a disagreement between the front office and Lasada about how public he should be talking about it, but clearly they thought he was right. And otherwise they wouldn't be talking about bringing in those players and making it happen or talking about bringing in a guy like Gareth Bale, which feels like a smokescreen, but. Yeah. I mean, 
Oh wow, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna nibble on the Gareth Bale thing and say I hope he comes here because I, I I like Gareth Bale. But um, as now I'm gonna lose where I wanted to go before that. No, just kidding. I got it back. Um, I think in terms of the Lasada talking to the press regularly about needing more players, um, I would be. I would be shocked if that didn't really, really, really bother the front office and potentially most of all Jason Levy. Because it probably should, right? I mean, if you're constantly poking at your bosses about why you don't like the way the organizations run, that does get old at some point. There's just no way around it. However, this leads to one of my biggest gripes with this team, which is the lack of a clear and, and well communicated vision. Because a great way to solve that is to tell everyone we're only we're only rolling with two DPs this year. Budget's broke. We just built a new stadium. We had to deal with a pandemic. We launched another team. We built another stadium. We built a training facility. There's not enough money in the coffers right now. But the plan is in two years, we're gonna have bolstered the academy, got more players coming in that way. We've got gate receipts now, we got a new media deal, and then we're gonna go full bore in you know, getting three DPs, but we're still following the the Philly and the Dallas model of building a club. If they could effectively lay that out, and I got to believe they got some sort of plan behind closed doors, right? But no one knows it, and so all we're left to do as fans is just kind of guess. And 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 honestly, in times like this, think the worst. And if they were willing to make it clear what they're doing then maybe Lasada doesn't go to the media all the time and say, I wish I had more players because he knew why he doesn't have more players. Did he, does he even know the plan? I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he was a dick. I don't know. <laughs> but as a fan, I sure as hell don't know the plan. And I don't like it. It makes it hard for me to defend this team that I really want to defend. Yeah. And I think some of, not even just the long-term communication, but even on Wednesday, right? It wasn't until, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't until the afternoon that DC United actually put anything out, right? And like, they put something out kind of the moment they sent out the press release to press as well. Like there there was no heads up, you know, Pablo tweeted it, Goff tweeted it. Um, and then it wasn't until hours later that they just kind of said, Lasada is gone. Thank him for his um, service. You know, Chad Ashton's going to be our coach for the rest of the season. And they led with, we've promoted Chad Ashton. Yeah. And then like a paragraph in they were like, Oh, and by the way, that Lasada guy's not here anymore, but thank Which, him for his service. Yeah. And I, I think that that leads to fans not really knowing how to feel about the situation or about the club right now, because kind of slowly throughout the day and throughout the next couple of days, you, you had these, allegations that potentially there were some abusive, you know, behaviors and tendencies going on behind the scenes, um, a lot relating to, you know, how he's asking the players to train and how he's, you know, monitoring their progress. And um, I, I think it's worth mentioning, right? I don't want to brush that under the rug because if, if those are actually what happened, like that's very serious. And, you know, I would applaud DC United for taking swift action if that were the case. Um, you know, we, we've seen that happen throughout soccer, in America in the past year. So it's, it's not crazy to think. Um, but it is kind of crazy to think that that is something that would have happened without us having known about it. Like if that is what happened, I think that there's a way to say it, you know, without, you don't have to say, you know, the, these are the people he was abusing and, and this is, you know, the situations that happened, but you know, right now we're, we're kind of left to fill in the blanks and even like the way that players have come out and talked about it. Like, it's no question that he was losing the locker room, right? We could all see it. And we kind of talked about the way DC United bounced back this game versus the way they were not bouncing back the rest of the season when we were getting scored on, right? Like he didn't have the yeah. locker room, but there's a difference between him not having the locker room and like him abusing players within the locker room. And I think, you know, even the players seemed a little bit surprised that this had happened now and in this way. Um, so it, it seems surprising to me too, that they would, the players would not come out and have each other's backs and say like, yeah, he had to go. It kind of seems like every player kind of has their own opinion, depending upon their relationship with Lasada. Um, which makes me think that these like abusive allegations might just be that. Um, I'm not trying to like say that they didn't happen. Right. We obviously don't know. I, I said 
you know, Wednesday morning. Like, it feels like there's more behind the story than this. Like, it feels like we're not getting all the information. And I still feel like we're not getting all the information. Um, and that's just, John, to your point, like part of the frustration, you don't have to give us a long-term plan. Just let us know a little bit why. Again, it doesn't have to be every single detail about what you said to Lasada about why you're firing him, but we need a little bit more information because how are we supposed to feel and talk about this? And honestly, like that's why a lot of the supporters were not in the section on Saturday. And that's why it was a mostly silent section is you're not giving your fans anything to cheer for right now, regardless of whether or not they personally agree with the decision. We don't know how to defend it right now. Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the front office's role in this. For me at this point, you've had Dave Casper has been with the organization since I think 2001. He was, took on the GM role in 2007 uh, and was promoted to whatever the title is he has now, but clearly still very involved in it. Uh, Going through a number of different coaches. uh, It makes you wonder again, to your point, Sam, about talking about how we're supposed to, what we're supposed to expect from this team. If the team is convinced that (laughs) if the team is convinced that if this is the roster that can get where they want to be, which we all assume is making playoffs, uh, if that's where it is and they don't get there by the end of the year, then has the front office failed and does Levia need to make changes there? Uh, there are plenty of people who are immediately saying, yes, get rid of Casper, get rid of, get rid of Rushton. Uh, but for me, you know, this feels like a last straw kind of thing where they are completely taking ownership of how this team performs now saying, okay, we made a mistake hiring Lasada which we can disagree with or not agree with, you know, it, it is what it is. But if they don't get results with the guy that they think is the perfect fill-in who just happened to still be on your staff and they don't make the playoffs this year or, you know, end up, you know, in the race for the wooden spoon again, I don't see how Levian can keep the front office staff the way it is. But, but maybe playoffs aren't this front office's goal. Right. And like, that that again goes into part of like I wish we had we had the but if if you look at a team like Dallas or a team like Philly until very recently their goal was not to make the playoffs every year their goal was to develop their academy and bring in young players and then be able to sell them on and now we're seeing that successful model in Philly in this because they're developing these players, they're being successful for them for a few years and then they're selling them on and then kind of using that money and putting it back in the academy and putting it back into bringing successful players who can continue that. But that takes a long time to do, right? And like, there's a, there was a lot of talk. I mean, Kevin was one of the largest signings that MLS has had for a homegrown, right? So if DC United is looking at that and saying, this is the model, he was the first one. But in the next five years, we have these other eight players who we think could make a similar jump as Kevin. And to us, it's more important to focus on that right now than it is to focus on making the playoffs because we don't have enough money to sign DPs, which is how you're successful in this league. Okay. And then... Uh, if you have that train of thought, like, of course you're going to fire Lasada. If he's losing the locker room, he's not connecting with the young players. You know, that's part of what we thought he was going to do when he was brought in as he's a young coach, he's going to connect with the young players. But if he's not doing that, then of course you let him go. And you bring in a guy like Chad who has relationships with these players and can get the most out of the young kids. Right. Like that makes sense, but we have no idea if that's what's actually happening. See, I have to disagree with that because Lasada clearly got good things out of guys like Kevin. I mean, you mentioned Kevin's you know massive sale in the offseason in large part to the success he had last year under Lasada's system. And if you're, as a club, trying to play the long game of, you know, we're going to develop over a couple of years, we're going to do the, the Philly approach, then why are you firing a guy for losing four games? Uh, it, it just doesn't quite ring true to me. But again, I agree that we don't know what the team is trying to do. And you're never going to come out as a uh, – you know, as management and say, we're not going to win this year and we don't expect to be winning for a while, but they're kind of throwing everything at the wall and saying what, what sticks, you know, you've got plenty of homegrowns that they brought through, you know, we didn't talk about it earlier, but I thought Jackson Hopkins had a good performance again this, uh, this, this last weekend. And I think there's a lot of promising talent coming through those young ranks, but they're also trying to bring in uh, guys like Taxi and, you know, again, talking about bringing in a guy like Gareth Bill. We're trying to do all three different tiers of MLS 
uh, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, whatever you want to call it. And as it is, we're still in what 11th uh, in the table. So again, we don't know what the team is trying to do. Uh, the moves smacks of desperation, but also not really sure what they want. So uh, I'm frustrated. I know y'all are frustrated. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, it's, it's the lack of communication for me. And I think, like you've all said, most of the fan base. And if we are, are trying to go for the academy thing, we're probably five years behind Philadelphia, uh, who have a full-on residency and school. I mean, even RSL has a school and residency where those players go to uh, live and train. Uh, and, and, yeah, we got a, a pretty big transfer. It's not our first one, but... Uh, it's hard for me to believe. And yeah, and yeah if you're going to lean into the academy kids, you don't sign Gareth Bale uh, because he's going to be here for a year or two and be playing golf most of the time. Uh, and and we, we, we just, yeah, even it's all about communication, really, because I can't, it's hard to believe that Hernan would have been yelling about transfers when he knows that taxi is going to get paid to come early and Gareth Bale is on the way. I, I, I just can't imagine uh, and so it really is on Casper to communicate with this team. And I think you're right, Black. Like, if this year, and I've struggled with it, if it's even possible, but if they fail or continue to fail after firing a coach because they said they believe the roster is this good right now, I don't know how they could stay on. Yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're spot on, Joshua. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to even just going down a communication road. It's hard for me to remember the last time Dave Casper had a press conference. I don't know if Lucy Rushton has had a press conference since she's been here. I know Jason Levian has not had a press conference. The only media availability Jason had was when he came on our show, right? I, it's, it's, it's just unacceptable. I mean, while, while you were talking black about, we're not even sure what title Casper has right now. No, really, we're not sure what title Hay has right now because they promoted him, made up some role. They brought in Lucy Rushton. God knows if she's actually allowed to be a GM. I don't know. No one knows because they don't talk to us. And, and I say us in, in the sense of the fans, of the media. They don't. They, they leak stories and, and they do one-on-one availabilities, but they don't hold press conferences where people could actually hold their feet to the fire. They send the coaches out, right? I mean, that, that's probably why Lasada did what he did and complained about not having players because he's the one talking to the press. And, and that was one of the things that just got me so upset this week was they fired, uh, obviously, Lasada, and then they run Ashton out there as the immediate next availability besides Gressel, who did it on his own. Um, the decision makers are nowhere to be found. And, and then they released what kind of felt like a forced statement, although credit to them for doing something uh, in an email before the game of like, guys, we really need you. We know this was hard, but come out and support us. It's just, it, it's not how a well-run club communicates. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anyone could defend Casper keeping that job if they don't make the playoffs this year. Um, and, and look, the only person who could do it is himself. And that's by telling us what the plan is. So with that being said, what do y'all expect from this team moving forward? You know, clearly the team thinks that making a change now is going to turn things around and you know, get off of the, the four-game losing streak. What do y'all expect for the remaining what 25-odd games of this season? That, you know, does the United make the playoffs? I don't know if I can speak that far. I think that the next month will go pretty well for D.C. United as you know Saturday night did just because that's an expected bump after firing a coach who a lot of the players had took issue with right so I think that you know we we talked about a lot of positives from Saturday I don't think that means that firing Lasada was the right decision long term and you know if we continue to win this next month I don't think that that means that that was the right decision you know we kind of saw it after Ben was fired too and you know if you watch any other soccer team, you see it there too, right? Like there'll be a, a couple, you know, games where you figure it out, a little bit of a bump in the new system, and then it evens out and you kind of take what you can go, what you can from there. Um, 
So I think it's kind of early days. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's surprising that, that we have Chad for the whole season. I don't know if that means they're kind of looking at somebody else for next season or if they are thinking about giving Chad this opportunity and then just hiring him on full time. I have no idea. I, I think early days is key there because we, we really don't even know what the squad is like. They lost to Austin uh, because they were playing down a man for uh, the game. And then, yeah, just was this a bounce back game? Is this Fontes' level for the whole year? Does Gareth Bale come? Is Chris Durkin the shoring up in the midfield that we needed? Does the back line figure it out? Because they have been decent before. I think there were question marks everywhere on the field. Uh, and we, we kind of hinted that in our summary of the the game this week, but they could continue on throughout the season. They could be one way or the other. It's really uh, just a matter of the players being healthy and gelling and, and you know, being behind the vision that is hopefully being communicated to them. <laughs> God, I hope so. Look, I, I think for me, um, what I'm, what's going to be the most fascinating to watch this season and the most telling is can players stay healthy? And I think that's also going to give us some insight into, you know, Joshua, you touched on it earlier that some of the fitness concerns and Sam, you talked about, um, you know, was there a potential abuse with players? We don't know. Um, I, I personally would be shocked that we haven't seen a, a players association grievance associated with that if, if there was. Um, but I think what where reality probably is, is that Lasada was red zoning a lot of these guys. And that's why we're seeing so many injuries yet again this season. And I do think there's a fair amount of truth to that frustration that the front office had with Lasada of, you know, well, we do have somewhat of a larger roster and yet half of it is always injured. Um, you know, we, we, they, we've got dietitians, we track everything health related. We got a new training facility. How is this still a problem? Um, and so I, I'm fascinated to see if the guys that are hurt right now come back can stay healthy and, and most of the rest of the squad stays healthy because to me that probably would be an indication that, you know, maybe Lasada was going after these guys too hard and, and maybe that wasn't necessarily just taking a mental toll, but also a physical toll. So that's what I'm interested to see, but no, I don't think we're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> Long-winded answer to uh, you know, have a bit of a downer there. Yeah. I, I think I agree with y'all that, it's, it's probably too early to say uh, there's still a there's a chance for things to turn around and I think we'll be happy for those. And like Sam said, it's not a, uh, it's not a vindication of the decision. If uh, they do turn it all around, it could still be the wrong thing, but at this point it is what it is. So uh, let's hope for the best. Yeah, well, I have one quick, one quick stack correction, uh, and, and Michael, thanks for pointing it out. Um, Lucy Rushton and Danita Johnson did hold a fan event uh, about a month ago, where they did meet with the with the, with the fans. Now, none of us had a chance to go to that, which is not their problem, but ours. Um, but yes, they they do they should get credit for that. I did not give it to them, so I, that was good, and, and more of that would be better. I also want to give credit to, you know, Jason Anderson and Stephen Goff and Pablo who have done the one-on-ones. Like it is frustrating that that's the only way we hear from them, but they do a great job when they do get those interviews. So just want to make clear that none of the frustration is at them because they do great interviews and they get the information they can. Um, would just love to see it on a broader scale and more often. Personally, John, I don't want to talk for you. You're the one who said that, but. No, violently agree. Um, okay. you know, the, <laughs> I know that you coverage them, of the yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. And 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 I I I just wish it was um, you know something on a on a more public stage where where they could take questions from maybe the less friendly portions of the media. All right, group rumination. <laughs> How are we feeling? <laughs> Bad. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's faces right now. Yeah, I mean that that's that. I don't know if there's anything else to really say. Um, you know, th th this is kind of a weird show. Obviously, we, we try to stick with our post-game shows. This feels like like news that was too kind of large to skip over. Um so, you know, we, we talked about the game, we talked about the news. Um, we'll plug in the, the post-game press conference afterwards, um, listening to the podcast. 
Um, appreciate mm-hmm. you all finding us in your podcast feeds. Obviously, we didn't get a chance to go live this week. Um, just a combination of, of schedules and, and kind of other media schedules. Um, but yeah, appreciate you all sticking with us and being flexible. Um, I'd like to point out that there is fun soccer happening in the DMV in the form of the reigning champs, the spirit, um, who are in the semifinals of the challenge cup, um, which will be played on Wednesday, May 4th at Segra. So anyone who, you know, lives out in, in, D- in Virginia or, um, can can get out there after work by 8 p.m. <laughs> there are roads that go out there, Sam. I know, but there's also traffic. There's, there's Northern Virginia traffic, which is hard. Um, uh, for those who are, are in D.C. or, you know, don't work weekends, um, they do open up the season um, on Sunday at Audi Field at 5, which should be fun. But they are a phenomenal team to watch right now, one of, if not the best in the league. So... You know, that it's not like a, a second choice. Everyone should just be watching them regardless of how DC United's doing. Like if you haven't yet, now's the time to do so. And season tickets are $150. So really why not? Yeah, definitely exciting stuff from the spirit there. And yeah, as we talked a little bit about earlier, DC United's gonna take on Columbus this weekend in Columbus. Uh Saturday evening at seven thirty. Uh Columbus is currently, I think, a spot behind us on the table. So uh, a chance to maybe make up some ground there and uh, hope for good things. Uh, also, Loudon will be playing El Paso uh, on Saturday. I think they're I think they're at home, but I'd have to confirm that. Uh, they lost to the Birmingham Legion over the weekend. Uh, also want to point out that, you know, despite their differences, uh, Sam and Joshua had some exciting news in the last few weeks and you know, managed to tie the knot. So a big tried and true congratulations <laughs> to the two of them. Uh, many happy years for y'all ahead. Uh, we're very excited for you. Thanks. Yeah. We yeah, disagreed on the man of the, of the wedding. <laughs> I, I tried to give it to Sam. She tried to give it to me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Well, with that, I think we can call it a show. Um, but thanks to all of our listeners for listen to us struggle to recap a game while knowing we were going to vent quite a bit at the end of the show, but we hope we, uh, we, we made your feelings heard and, and, and how we feel, but if not, you know, always let us know, choose a text, choose an email, choose a tweet, get in touch with us and, and mostly please tell a friend to listen to us. Um, and we will talk to you guys really, really soon. I'm actually out of pocket for the next couple of weeks. Um, but you guys will talk to our listeners very soon. I'll be one of them and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll catch up, uh, in a few weeks. Right here on Tried and True, the DC United Post Game Podcast, and sometimes we complain about the team in front office. Presented by.